welcome to Rick Radio Community News Desk, episode 50. I'm Mick Canley. Later in the podcast, we talk with Cal Barron, a young man on work experience here from Manute University. Cal tells us of his ambitions for the future and we're working as a coach to the Irish Junior and Petit team. But first, we talk with Rory Hart, an 84-year-old gentleman who grew up in Pier Street and who attends the movie club, which takes place here every second Friday in Ringsend Irish Town Community Centre. Rory has led a fascinating life travelling the world in the Merchant Navy, and we are delighted to hear his story. Rory, you're very uh, welcome to uh, the programme. Before we get into the movie club, and I know yeah. that you're here for a, a movie later on, let's talk a little bit about your yourself and growing up uh, around the Pier Street area. Um, you were mainly from Pier Street, I think. I was a dead, yes. Uh, and that, from and... Uh, what was life like? Got back your age well, before at the moment, so you, I am a date, yeah. You were telling me you were you were born in nineteen twenty eight, just before the war. Just before the war, yeah, just yeah. before the war. And uh yeah, so I had a fairly good. We were poor but happy. Yeah. Uh, I lived with my uh I was, my mother died when I was very young, when I was four. And an old aunt came to live with me. And my uh, mother's family was fairly well known around the Pear Street area. She was one of the Cowsers, an unusual name. But yeah, yeah. Originally a Rings End name, believe yeah, it or not. Yeah. And, I, and I went to live beside my grandmother and my three or four aunts around. So they all kind of reared me and my younger brother. My father never remarried. And an old aunt, an old spinster of an aunt came and lived with us and she practically oh, reared me, reared see? Up, yeah, yeah. And my Aunt Dora, there'll be very few people left alive that would have yeah. known her. That was tough when you losing your mother so young. Yeah, I was four, my brother was two. Yeah. And my mother was only 29 years oh, of age. Terrible, so, yeah. So it's unfortunate. I never knew her. Uh, I went to school in St Andrews, up to seven. I made my communion there. Then I went to the Christian Brothers, and I that was did Western Road. Christian Western Road, Road yes. yes. And then I, I was an altar boy. Yeah, Road as we all George. were, I think, at some stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my good old days, in my good days. But anyway, um, then come fourteen, I decided to leave school, much to the disgust of my father. He wanted me to go on further. So I was told, well, if I left school, I had to go out and walk. Work, yeah. So the first job I got was as a laundry boy in the Swastika Laundry on Shelburne Road. I did a few months there, and I just got browned off. So the next job I got was uh, in uh, the Regal Rooms in, in Hawkins Street. It was beside the old Theatre Royal. And... Uh, I did maybe three years there before they, they were locked down the Royal. This was coming up to. Yeah. So you I, worked in the Royal before they knocked it down? And all. Well, yeah, yeah I was yeah. next door, but next I was in an hour of it anyway. Yeah, the yeah. same company owned it, the, yeah. the two uh, cinemas. Uh, I did then a few months when that, in the in the Corinthian, at the ranch, as we used to call it, because they always showed westerns. <laughs> so. After that then, I left that and I joined the Merchant Navy. And my first ship was uh, the Leinster, 
and then uh, from the north wall to Liverpool. Yeah. Me and I, I joined Irish shipping. Uh, I was on quite a few of their ships, and uh, then I, I joined. I went over to England and I joined the British Merchant Navy for a few years. Um, one of the first ships there was a ship called the Southern Cross, who were bringing the the um, emigrants to Canada or out to Australia at that time, yeah. which was the early sixties. That was a long boat trip. Yeah, yeah, ten um, for ten pound a head. Yeah, that's all it cost. Yeah, they were looking for workers out there, and uh, if you didn't stay two years, you had to pay the full fare sure. back to the Australian uh, government. Uh, and going back then, um, what what year are you talking about around now? Uh, late fifties or uh, late sixty, maybe sixty, sixty one. Yeah. yeah, and that you know around that time, must oh, must get me discharged, but okay, well, we can. You have Updates. them all on that, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And, uh, a trip now to Australia. What port were you going from in, in England? In England, we left Southampton. Yeah. And the first stop was Las Palmas. We took on bunkers. And then we uh, across the South Africa to um, Durban and Cape Town. Yeah. And from there out to uh, Sydney, Melbourne and Fremantle. And then you went up north and, uh, towards New Zealand and you did Wellington and Auckland. We came back the other way and you stopped in the Fiji Islands. Uh, the next stop was Tahiti, where they, at that one, one, uh, when I got there, they were making Mutiny on the Bounty, oh, the Marlon yeah. Brando yeah, version. Yeah. And ironically, there was no... Um, Hotels there in them days. It's commercialised now. I believe the Yanks have it ruined. It's what you saw on the films. And yeah, yeah. Even we got garlands of flowers around our neck as we went to as show all of that. Yeah. And I saw one or two of the stars now, uh, like Noel Porcel and Trevor Howard. I didn't see Brando. Yeah. They were all living on yachts out in the bay. Uh, then from there you went to Curacao with the Dutch West Indies. Then through Panama Canal, yeah, and come out onto Trinidad and Tobago, and then back to Southampton. So it was actually more than a circumference. I was just war. thinking that the whole way round. Round, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, because went. Uh, how long would that take? A twelve-week trip. Only twelve weeks. Yeah, well, just fellowship and them. So yeah, I did a few trips. I walked. Uh, I walked for Royal uh, Union Castle. And on one trip, I took sick, and I was put ashore in Durban, and I was had my appendix out in Durban. So in I South left me, Yeah, I left me appendicitis <laughs> there. And what happened then? Say after. Well, you, I kept back. They, what the, uh, the how did they get you back? Yeah, the company has to bring it back to where they employed you from. Yeah. So you called a DBS, a distressed British seaman. Yeah. So I came back on one of their ships because they were a regular run. Oh, yeah. They did yeah. the Royal Mail and that thing. Uh, Union Castle. I came back actually on a ship that was making its maiden voyage called the Transvaal Castle. And I came back on her. I did another few more trips and that. So I was decided then I was going to get married. So I came ashore to uh, stay ashore, you see. Yeah. 
So an uncle of mine then got me a job in a subsidiary of Guinness's making the beer barrels. Now, the beer barrels were... Uh, the wooden barrels were going out out of fashion in them. I the won't, keg is coming the, in. The it? keg yeah. came in. The aluminium was... The aluminium yeah. was the first keg. And I, he got me a job up there. He was the chairman of the union branch, so I had a little bit of influence. Yeah. So... <laughs> I did a good while there. We, I was very busy over the years, but then uh, they decided to make stainless steel uh, barrels, which are involved now at the moment. You'd see them on the lorries. So the Kamak House Company, where I walked, it was up near Stevens's Hospital, up beside Kingsbridge Station. Yeah. Now, as a general labourer there. So it was too expensive to so what they did was, slowly over the years, there was the redundancy Reduce, in the places. Yeah, yeah. Because we, it was cheaper to get them from Belgium. Now, uh, the reason being that was the steel mills was beside the factory in Belgium. If the market was flooded with beer cans all over the world, they could stop and transfer the made sink tops and that's so, so. So gradually it came, the staff was reduced and it came down, there was 10 of us left out at 300, about 300 at one time. Yeah. In it, yeah. you see. So they wanted that property back up in, in Stevens's Lane, up, up at the hospital there. And they gave five of us a deal. So they bought us a premises up in the Green Hills Road. And we were a service for them, repairing cans and cleaning them and that. And five of us, and we applied about another seven when we got up there. So one day, I left the job as a, a labourer, and on Monday I ended up being a company director. Oh, very good. So I retired <laughs> as a company director after 11 yeah. years up there. Fantastic. I came to yeah. 65. I've been retired since, and... Even though I've seen a lot of the world, different places, I've been to Brazil, all over America and all that. But I used to go, myself and my late wife, was, uh, we used to go on tours. So I saw a lot of Europe yeah. in, my, in my early retirement. And that, you know, so. What was the best place you ever visited? Uh, well, I think coming, well, I'm coming to another story in a minute and I'll tell you about yeah. it. I had my younger brother uh, was a ship's cook. He came back to sea, and he was the youngest cook ever in early shipping. He jumped ship in a place called Albany in uh, Western Australia, and I didn't see him for 31 years. Oh, no. So he came back after 31 years. He came back, and then we kept well and close, and myself and my wife did a few trips out there ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, but... We used to stop either in Singapore or that, or, or, but one of the best places, I suppose, was Bali. Bali, Bali, yeah, yeah. Fabulous place. Yeah, so they say, yeah, yeah. So he came back here, and he became a bit of a celebrity in his hometown. So much, uh, I'd have to all day tell you about him. (laughs) He made his way up the ladder, and he became a captain on a whaling ship. Yeah. And on one of the trips, before he became a skipper, he was a, 
der Gunnar's Mech, oder Lauter Forrester. Der Gunnar, der Harp Hörngon. Aber der Mann hat ihn vor in der Rope, und wenn ich fahre, ich pulle den Leg ab. Die lower part of his leg. So what he had to do was radio the spotter playing to spots the whales for them to come back. And when he landed, it was so rough, he had to about a hundred or so yards away with the whales. Yeah. So they lowered Chesney Hawks, was this man's name. I met him in later years. Into a rubber dinky. And they couldn't get away from the ship as well with the waves. So this mad brother of mine off his clothes and dived in and pushed the, the rubber dinky across to the, the seaplane to get your man to hospital. And then brought it back. Uh, I had to come back himself. There was no room on the plane for him, so we had to swim back. And this plane was full of whales and sharks. Yeah. The water... That was one. Then he rose up to be skipper in it. And on one of his trips, he came in and he actually brought, uh, the fella fell into the water and he brought the ship up on rocks to grab and save this man. Now, there is a big plaque on the beach in Albany commemorating this rescue. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the whaling finished. So, and, and by his own confessions, he Greenpeace used to annoy them in them days. See, I fired over them now, I didn't fire at them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but when they finished, he actually joined Greenpeace. He became uh, a poacher instead of a gamekeeper. Very good. And they yeah. brought him, uh, Greenpeace brought him to Japan to try and persuade the Japanese government to speak in the parliament in Japan about the way. And they threw him out, out of the country. <laughs> he had a very colourful life. But anyway, when he, everyone knew him through his heroics in yeah. this little small town. That was your younger brother, was it? My younger brother. Your younger brother, yeah. And when but he you died... Well, you were well travelled to say that yeah, far yeah. Your, your, your poor mother passed away. And yeah, and that, well, all my yeah. uncles on one side were seamen, on my mother's side. Yeah. And on my father's side they were British Army. Yeah, yeah. Father. so it was, in the, it was in the blood, oh, yeah. Yeah. and when he died, they practically gave him a, a, a stay funeral down there. Yeah, they closed the town down, and he had a, one of these ecumenical funerals, you know, yeah, no yeah. religious service. Yeah. I think he lost his faith, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I was looking at it myself from here on the webcam. And they brought him into the tune of Raglan Road. Then people were talking about his heroics and all that. And then I, they had asked me to send an eulogy over. Yeah. And his son-in-law read it out. Because he didn't know his history. He was only 19 when he... When he there, yeah. When, so I had to, from his time here to... To when he was 19. Yeah, yeah. and uh, when it was all over then and... He, uh, they brought him, they left, they left uh, it was at the old whaling station, the whaling station was closed, and it's now a museum, and, uh, and when the first, if we walk through the main door, the first picture you see is him. Yeah. And a uh, big, big, huge photograph of him. And then they brought him, uh, they 
Dublin and the rare out time. He liked his Irish music. Yeah, and yeah. That, you know, and he kept, he kept every time that. he came home after that, I had to bring him to Dolphin Records to get tapes. And oh, yeah, Dolphin Discs, yeah, yeah. He had two, and he did Japanese gardens in Kildare. In Kildare, yeah. He loved nice, that nice and race. the yeah. national store because he had a couple of racehorses in Australia. Yeah, it? yeah. But when they closed the town and the whole, the two the sides of the street were crowded with people and the crematorium. Fabulous, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. Hard that's true of facts. Yeah. He's, he's in a book called uh, Irish Lives in Western Australia and there's a chapter devoted to, to, to his exploits. To his exploits, yeah. So one of these days I'll bring it in and show it to you. I have a long deal at yeah, the moment. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant and stuff. That, you know. and, for your, and for yourself, I suppose it's hard, you, you know, losing your brother as well yeah. um, and that, but you you partook in a lot of activities in, in, in St Andrews in, in latter years. I did, yeah, and, uh, when I retired. Yeah. That, that's how you've kind of ended up down here in the movie club. Yeah, well, because uh, Shea brought me down here to a May Day parade last year. Yeah. And I was looking to see That's what the, the had husband. And you, you've, yeah. you've done um, computers with, with, with Shea yeah. as well, Rory. That's right, yeah. What was that like? For, that was in, in, in your latter years, wasn't yeah, it, Yeah, well, in my late 60s, 70s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and how did you find that? Or was it was it, a, well, was, it, was, was it different <laughs> to what you were used to? And, because yeah. uh, the same, I know my own mother was 79 when I think she turned on the computer, which, yeah. you know, which well, at that stage... I, I enjoyed, oh, I used to enjoy it. I yeah. never missed it. Yeah. Tell, you know. Of course, we must yeah. say that next door to us here in the studio, yeah. we have a computer room, room and, yeah. and, and uh, Brendan and Emma. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, of people, you know, um, coming in to, to learn, yeah, still yeah, learn about yeah, computers kind of thing at, at, yeah. at a good old age kind of thing too, you sure, know. Uh, but yeah. what's the movie club? Uh, it's on here every two weeks. And yeah, it's the old movies, you know. Yeah. I like the old black and like white. Like Casablanca and Casablanca, the yeah. one today now is uh, Footsteps in the Fog with Gene Simmons and Stuart yeah. Granger. Yeah. Movie. I can tell you now, it was 80 odd years ago when I joined the Riga Rooms. And I can tell you the first film that was on when I was there. What was that? A film called Sally and St. Anne's with Anne Bloyd, an Irish-American actress. Yeah, so yeah. So that was the first film. Yeah, and, and Black and White, I presume, Rory, uh, at the time. Black and White at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sally and St. Anne's. No, I actually think it was in colour. They was started there. It? it wasn't grey colour in there. Yeah, days, yeah. No, that's right. And a man named Edward Quinn yeah. was in it. And the, the film club is upstairs here in, in yeah. Rings at Irish Town Community yeah. Centre. And um, as you say, every two weeks, is, is, is do you get a, a big crowd going to it? No, there's only a few going a to few it. A few is there, are, yeah, but it's enjoyable. I enjoy it, yeah. yeah. I yeah. go on my own even, well, I mean. Yeah. And I know one or two of the you ladies. Me- you there. mentioned the ranch earlier on, the cowboy movies. That uh, was do, in there. Do they show any cowboy movies at all? Uh, here. Yeah, no, well, no. I'm, uh, this is only about my fourth or fifth time to, to go. see a film here. Yeah. yeah, and you'd recommend it for people to? Well, I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it gets me out of the house because I'm on my own. My family yeah. is all married, you know, yeah. that's yeah. how I live. Do you, um, do you get your popcorn now going? Uh, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, fair play. Jennifer, the girl that runs it. Very yeah, good. yeah. Very good girl. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, you, you moved away from the area. You were telling me you're, you're out in Georgetown. So yeah, you, well, you, you I got married. In. I married the yeah. girl from Georgetown. And you come in from Georgetown to see the Yeah, well, and I, when I come in every Sunday to see my friends. Yeah. I'm going back 50 or 60 years. Yeah, every yeah. Sunday. Yeah. There's only one of us left, the last the last fellow. I used to drink one time in Maroney's. Yeah. But I haven't taken a drink since 77. You know, so yeah. a man told me, don't come back in 12 months and I can do nothing for you. Well, it was hard working in a brewery, get yeah, a free that's drink. that's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I still came in every Sunday morning to see them, but they gradually all died off. The last fellow, I don't know, he lived in, Liam Boone, he was a great friend of mine. Yeah. He died here a few months ago. And there's only one lad now on Pear Street. I go to back to see. Back to see on Sundays. Um, uh, every Sunday. Fair play. I do. Less, yeah. Less something crops up. It's very, very rare. Yeah. Not it's true. a fascinating story. You listen to your your stories and yeah. your travels, especially. Well, the travel, but then. Yeah. I, I remember what we used, what we we I call the siege of the Hamelin, which happened. Now I can't. Sure, the exact year it was late 50s. Uh, three escaped pr- uh, prisoners escaped uh, out of Mount Joy and they were cornered in the Hamelin, which is the IDA now there. Yeah, Conrad Mackin Street. I always remember it well um, because we were only young kids at that time. And I, um, the army surrounded the place anyway. There were three ex-commandos, I believe. They were yeah. British commandos and that. And the police went in with guns and all the special brands. And one fellow was shot dead. Inspector Gantley. Now, who shot him? It's a mystery. Yeah. Prisoners had no guns. Yeah. They say he wasn't very popular. So, one of his own. Could have been an accident. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I, I yeah, yeah. Couldn't but. We all remember that well. But the lads got out. They, they say they blackened their face and came out with the lads out of, out of the furnace room. <laughs> but they were eventually caught in Mount Street. Laverty and Nolan were two of them. I can't think of the third lads. Name. Yeah, yeah. That was the only one instant that, you know. Yeah, yeah. You were only a young boy, as you say, at the time. At the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got a fascinating life already, and... and Thanks a lot for coming in yeah. and, and telling us about it. And hopefully uh, you keep enjoying the, the movie club. And the oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm down yeah. bowls as well. I do the bowls here as well. Well, yeah. I do yeah. that on the Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So you ke- keep yourself active. You're kept you know? active, yeah. 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 You know. And that, that's what you'd recommend for people? Keep I active. would, yeah. Yeah. Even go visiting people, you know. Just, yeah. Just don't... Not stay in the house all the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm slowing up a bit, but I can't complain. <laughs> and we all. Yeah. Fascinating hearing the story. Thanks a lot, Rory, and yeah. uh, we will talk to you again shortly. Oh, yeah. Come and join us at our Retro Cafe. Open weekdays from 10 until 2 here in the community centre. Come and check out our Karen's culinary delights. You're listening to the Community News Desk on Rick Radio. 
Joining us now on the community news desk is Cal Barron, and Cal is on work experience here in Rings and Largetown Community uh, Centre. Cal, you're very welcome uh, to our podcast, and uh, you've started off uh, on work experience here uh, in the centre. Can you tell us a little bit about what the work experience entails? Yeah, uh, once, first of all, uh, thanks for having me. Um, appreciate it. Um, so the work experience entails... Um, so I have to do at least 518 hours uh, of community and youth work. So within the community centre, I'm a part of the after school. So the after school is uh, community development. Um, that's what it's classed as in the theory part. Um, and what it is, is six to 12 year olds from primary school uh, come into the centre uh, to First of all, to do their homework, uh, to get a bit, get a bit of food, and uh, then fun games, you know. After mm-hmm. so, a lot of the time we'll go outside uh, to the astro pitch uh, behind the community center, and we'll play football, you know, as always, uh, skipping, tug of war. So it's it's a lot of uh, interaction with the young people, uh, building those strong relationships, and um, looking for the best for the young people, you know. Um, so that's kind of like the, the, bop, the broad spectrum of what uh, the after school is. And then there's obviously a deeper side of like, why are we actually doing it? You know? And I take it if you're from a new university, you're doing a degree yeah. in is it's a degree in community youth work? Is it? Commun- yeah, I'm doing a degree in community and youth work. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, how have you found it so far? You're here a few weeks. Yeah, I've been here for, this is my fourth week at the moment. Um, and... Once I went into the door, you know, um, it's very much uh, a family, family organisation, you know. Um, once you step in, you can't leave, you know. Um, so I've been loving it so far, you know, the different groups. Um, I'm also in Ricky's Youth Service. So I've been doing uh, open drop-ins, planned sessions, outreach work. So a lot of different groups and um, the main keys, those relationships. So I've, I've been loving it, you know. And all the staff are lovely, you know, um, very much home feeling, you know. When you were saying that community and, and youth work, I suppose the youth work side of it is with the younger people. Yeah. Do you have a broader base down on that to do adults? Or, yeah, so you, yeah, so youth work. On the, on the course, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so youth work is at the from the age of 10 to 25. So that's that's the main, that's the main age group you're going to be working with so a lot of young people um mainly and then community work when you're in a community setting like you are going to be working with a lot older people you know so yeah that's kind of like that like so like bingo you have bingo you have choirs you have yoga so like those are in the community center so like obviously you're going to be dealing with a lot older people you know um but in the youth work side, it is from that age vulnerable, the vulnerable age. So like from 10 to 25. Yeah. And of course, as you said, part of that is Ricky's here, yeah. which is a lot of the, the youths. And, and we, we, we know that uh, they do a radio program yeah, uh, with do. us as well. And we both, both, you know, boys and girls and uh, different ways. So when, you, when you're with them, um, what kind of activities have you to do with them? So uh, with Ricky's, so like there's different uh, groups. So there's 
an all girls group um, from 10 to 13 and then there's like Alex and the Angels that's from 13 to around 15 um, and then there's the older group um, that's from around 14, 14 15 to 18 um, and then an all lads group um, and then outreach work so mainly with all those groups we offer them food first yeah so, yeah um it's checking it checking in with them seeing how their day has been seeing how their weekend went and then mainly uh, pancakes and nutella with strawberries on top <laughs> or uh, very nice, Cal, very nice. and nutella toasties uh, so <laughs> a lot of the time your hands get fu full covered in chocolate spread but what can you do really um so we we offer them to make it first if they want to make it and if none of them want to make it we'll we'll go in and make it for them uh teas a cup of teas you yeah know, um toast whatever you know and then um with the plan session groups then we'll have like with the girls group last week um we did uh face mask making so we made our own face masks um so all the girls um we we had to use greek yogurt um honey and uh oats and different face ma and like mixing it all together and then they uh put it on each other you know and um i got dragged into it <laughs> so i was put on the seat to get uh, face mask on unfortunately it is on the facebook page as uh, on ricky's facebook page um so it, it was quite funny be honest but i got more <laughs> face mask on my clothes than i did and you do in your face yeah um, and all i could smell was uh yogurt and honey all over my beard and <laughs> my nose but what can you do about that um and then they've uh fifa the playstation um, and then they have the pool table uh so it's a lot of hanging out all the building those relationships chatting yeah. to each other you know like that's that's the real core thing you know in youth work building those strong relationships and when when you've built them then you can then they can trust you so like inter like like trust um trust um what's the other one? honesty respect they're all fall they all fall into like integrity yeah so like, yeah um all that kind of stuff so when they have that trust with you the honesty the respect for you they will start coming to you, you know, if they re if they need something. If they need something, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, the the youth work, the youth service is, is really key, you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm loving both, you know, the community side and the youth work. And side. the youth side as well. You, you mentioned the after schools as well and, and the word homework. Yeah. And I, I think I've read somewhere recently where there's talk that they might be getting rid of homework, rid of homework. in, yeah, in yeah, school. Yeah. And I was, I was looking and saying, God, I wish that was like that in my day, which is a long, long time ago. But is is that something like looking at it? Is is it something you feel that perhaps uh, is is a good idea because it gives you know children an opportunity not to have as much pressure maybe on them. I I totally agree. Um, I definitely agree for primary school. Um, that homework shouldn't be given. Mm. Um, I think that's a bit. Like not saying teachers are lazy, but I think that's a bit on the teacher's side where the kids are with you for that long from half eight, say, till half two or three o'clock, you know? Yeah. You're giving people homework just to reflect on, but 
half the time the parents are going to have to teach them how to do the homework where your job is to teach you know so I don't believe you should be given the kids homework you know you should be able to let them go outside play use their imagination instead of sticking inside to be doing homework from four o'clock to six o'clock you know yeah. and then once, once it hits six I don't think I even know that much when I was in secondary once it hits six it's dark you know yeah that's so true like, yeah yeah where yeah. Yeah. in the after school we have them for from two to from half two to half four sorry and um, we get that homework done but we go straight outside or we go start playing games yeah. and it's half four so it's not dark so they can go outside after you know, yeah, after yeah. they leave the home. So more social, more, more interaction, social interaction with, with other kids yeah, as well. Exactly. And that and as you say, it's yeah. a it's a different skill set that yeah. they're lear they're learning. Where nowadays people you see loads of people, young people who are unable to have a conversation. Yeah. Know, because yeah. they're on their phones, yeah, they're on yeah. tablets, they're on their Playstations, Xboxes, you know, so getting rid of that homework element, you'll eventually start getting more people more young people outside you know yeah. using their imagination playing with the play in the playground playing football playing on the grass fields you know so in the long run i think i think it's it will work you know yeah um, obviously at the start teachers are going to go crazy go nuts you know that they're not going to be learning anything but that learning should be in that classroom you know? Yeah, interesting. We we see how that develops yeah. uh, from a government uh, yeah. point of view. But Cal, as well as your 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 community and social work as well, and, and I suppose in many ways you could call what you do as well uh, as part of that because you're also the coach to the Irish Junior Amputee Football Team. I am indeed fabulous. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and so, how we got involved. Um, how I got involved with the Junior Irish Amputee Football Team was um, I was doing my Golgoshka. Um, and I knew there was frame football uh, up at the local uh, football club, Esker Celtic, and um, started there, and due to the Golgoshka, you have to do 52 weeks uh, of community service, community work, um, and it was on every second week. So the head coach of that was doing the uh, amputee football. He was the head coach of the amputee, uh, juniors and he said you're more than welcome to come along to that and to be honest once once I started and once I started building those relationships mm. you know with the young people for the amputee I got hooked you know uh, I got hooked into coaching I loved um, just passing my knowledge of football um, and also like working with people who have the disability but are still wanting to play their favorite game, yeah, you know? Yeah. And that was the main thing, you know? It wasn't that, oh, the love of football on coaching. It was that showing that it doesn't matter what kind of disability you have. If you have a goal and you have, you have a gift and you want to play a sport you want to play, you can do it. You just do it in a totally different way, you know? And the juniors, what age group would they be? So the juniors are from around around eight to 16. And once they hit 16, they get thrown into the deep end with the senior team. So it's basically a developmental platform, the juniors, to 
go into the seniors basically. Mm. So um, the senior team, senior team is a uh, is a lot different than the juniors. You know, um, they be tra- they're training most nearly every week, uh, where we train every two weeks. Yeah. Um, a lot more intensity, um, and then games they play a lot of matches. You know, um, where the juniors it's very hard to get matches going as um, you'd be having to go abroad a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. As uh, the numbers for us, like we have seven junior juniors. So at the moment, we're trying to do a developmental development uh, squad. So trying to get more people in. So more open days, um, working on working on promotion and uh, trying to get the word out, like, Come along and see see what you think. You know, mm-hmm. trying to get more people involved, um, because once all them go, those seven go to the seniors. It's who do we have left? You yeah, know? yeah. So it's it's a to- it's a continuous cycle. You know, trying to get yeah. more people involved. Um, and I take it that anyone it. anyone from the the whole of the country can yeah. be involved. And yeah. uh, you were saying to me that outfield players have to have a. A disability in yeah, the leg, so, whereas a goalkeeper has to have a, a, a an arm disability. Yeah, so basically, um, outfield players are all uh, having to play on crutches. So they all have uh, an amputation uh, from the knee down or the ankle down. Um, so they all play with one leg. Uh, so it's very technical. They have to be able to play in the inside and the outside of the foot. And the, once... Once I started, like I put into my head that like, what if they're right dominantly right footed, but they have their left leg. Yeah. Like, yeah. Total different ball game. You know, you have to be able to get comfortable using your left leg to be dominant. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then goalkeepers, um, goalkeepers, uh, are they have an amputation of prosthesis on the arm, so they all play with one arm and goal. So what they have to do, they have to tuck their uh, pros- uh, prosthesis arm um, into the shirt, so their amputation arm into their shirt and play with that one hand. Mm. So goalkeeper is a total different game as well, you know, like yeah. being able to only use one arm. So they use every single part of their body that they have except their mm. other arm, you know. Um, with the outfield players, like same like with normal football, if it hits your hands, it's a handball where in amputee, it's, if it hits your crutches, it's a handball. And then if it hits your prosthesis leg, it's a handball as well, you know. Um, so there's a lot of different rules uh, within the game. Um, it's not 11 aside, it's a 7 aside. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can have, it's rotational subs, so it, you don't have five, it's roll on, roll off. So at, any, at any time. Yeah. At any time, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that helps, great. yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, there's there's a lot of different rules, but it's a very intense, very intense game. And is it a, a fifty two week a year, or is it it's, is there a season kind splits. of a, so splits, the season yeah. so the season will be starting again in the next few weeks. So that will end. It ends in mid, uh, mid summer. Yeah. So only for a few weeks, and then the league continues after after those few weeks uh, are off. 
um, and then it ends in December. Very good, very so, good. Yeah. For anyone listening there, if, yeah. if they have maybe someone uh, that has a disability and would like yeah. to play, how do they go do, so how do they go about How you can go about yeah. it is if Join you uh, go on to the Irish Amputee Football Association uh, uh, webpage on the internet, uh, you can contact, there's a contact uh, email there uh, and you can contact them or if they are the juniors, uh, you're more than welcome to contact me. Uh, I will be able to give you my, I'll give you my email. Yeah. Uh, so they can contact They me. can send it to rickradio2020 yeah. at gmail.com and we'll pass on yeah. Cal's uh, personal email yeah. or for, uh, as well for yeah. that uh, too. Um, Cal, fascinating. Um, yeah. Listen to about the, that um, coaching that you yeah. are doing as well. Uh, you're starting out your young man we had uh, Rory Hart on as our previous intro oh, uh, who's 84 and giving us fascinating stories of what he's done in his life for you you're setting out ambitions yeah what, what your ambitions would be um for this, like at the start get the degree you know mm. uh, definitely be a youth worker uh, at the moment um, and then for the football side um we want to go to the Euros, and I also want to go to the World Cup with the amputee team. Um, so getting getting all the coaching badges done, you know, getting them up, and uh, moving on to the senior uh, coaching panel, um, and eventually hitting those milestones of Euros and World Cup. And you never know, maybe being on the coaching team and winning one of the trophies you know would be a huge opportunity and a huge dream for myself you know um but those at the moment are the ambitions you know so we'll put the stepping stones in place and um hopefully hopefully hit them sometime in the next few years well know? we wish you every success with that and of course the best of luck with uh, the rest of your time here thank at you very the community center and thanks a lot for joining us uh, on the program this week thank you appreciate it that's all for the community news that's this week. My thanks to Rowan on sound and editing, to Leslie on admin, Jennifer on social media, and Darren on the website. If you wish to contact us, our email address is rickradio2020 at gmail.com. From me, Mick, have a great, great week and take care.